Hi, live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday. Starting a week off. Hope you had a great Monday. Hope you had a great 4th of July celebration yesterday with family and friends. Whatever you did, hope it was great. Paul Nolan's here with the news. Uh, Rick Delgado's got What Even Is That coming up. Rick Emirati's got Sports Geo friend holding it down. Boys, how are we? I'm great, man. What a great weekend I had. Yeah, why? It was, it was just nice because, uh, you know, we celebrated the 4th, three straight days. You know, it was cool. My kids, uh, you know, we played... Uh, you know, all kinds of just nice, uh, you know, American tunes in the backyard on Friday. And just had, uh, you know, close family and friends. And I had a couple of parties along the way. It was just a really nice weekend seeing people uh, that I care about. And and everybody was, uh, you know, still proud to be an American, which is... Always we'll, good to see. We'll enjoy yeah. that while it lasts. Kind of, motivates <laughs> you, kind of motivates you a little bit, though, doesn't it? Being around... Uh, I, I had the same experience. We are with friends and um, very good friends. And he's a 25-year police officer, now detective. Sergeant kind of run the ranks all the way up. And it was kind of a in, – in some parts of the conversation, it was a little scary to hear about what's going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how bad it is. Yeah. Cashless bail, that kind of stuff. But um, on the other hand, you know, I don't know, conversations like that, they kind of inspire to get ready to fight, continue to fight, right? Because if we don't, I don't know what we're going to do. You know, I was at a party with a couple of people, kind of intellectuals, up a little far on the left. One guy was from Germany, uh, the other guy, another guy was from Canada. We had a nice discussion, and the German wanted to discuss how how all gun laws here are insane. And I, I said, wouldn't don't you think that that's crazy? Do you, of all people, not believe that tyranny can come <laughs> at any time? I mean, are you that? Are we? Do you think that we've we've evolved that much since 1945? That as a species, that greed and power and and contempt for humanity could well is just gone now because we learned our lesson. Do you are you under the impression? Well, what people don't need AR-15s. Well, what if a government says that we have to go into these chambers? That'll never happen again. Well, where do you get the audacity to say such a thing? I mean, with all due respect, I mean, you of all people should understand that the second they take our guns here. The global elite, the the world, the, like the I guess the oligarchs, if you will, just to try not to keep the tinfoil hat off, because you have to keep it off when you're having that conversation. Um, you don't think that they'll come even with a heavier hand from the top down? And that's the response you get. Yeah, kind of the response I got. <laughs> Where you met with uh, deafening silence? Yeah, well, and I was. We also had the conversation on abortion. I said, I'd like to ask, we had the question. They said... It's crazy that you guys, you people will take Roe v. Wade away from a woman. I said, okay, that's fine. I, I see your point. And I, I'm, I think this is very, it's a very tough subject on a personal level um, because I, want, no, I don't want anyone telling me what to do about injections in my body. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I also don't want anyone killing a human being, let alone a baby. You know, we have a little, one of my friends just had a baby. We have a baby in our lives. It's a miracle. You know, me and my wife are playing with this three-month-old baby. This, our 38-year-old friend has a ba- It's a miracle. Mm. So I don't want to kill, you know, so let's leave it there. I said, so if a woman wants to kill the baby, let's say three months, four months, five months, now it can smell, it can feel, it can see. Does she still have that right? Of course she does. She doesn't have that. Okay, how far along? How about that day before? I get that. Okay, okay now let's hold that thought then. Let's just hold it. Let's just say hypothetically she wants to have that baby and the boyfriend doesn't and stabs the belly and the fetus and the woman 
and and the woman dies, is it a double homicide? Just answer that question for me. And again, I got the same looks. <laughs> she wants the baby. The husband doesn't. Is it a double homicide? It's clearly a homicide, right? Did they kill the... Is it a baby now when it was killed? I was the uh, barbecue at the... Yeah, I, was, <laughs> I, was, I don't know. I was kicked out. I was kicked out by then. Okay. After that, he's like, can I have another hot dog? <laughs> yeah. Extra um, ketchup. Rick Delgado, how was your fourth? Uh, a lot less uh, a lot less wordy than that. <laughs> um, just kind of hung out, had some uh, tequila, and uh, giggled with friends as we laughed at the kids and like, oh, they think they're so cool and they think they're hot, There's blah, blah, blah. And then, uh, you know, sprayed myself with bug spray and hopefully didn't get eaten alive. Okay. Uh, Rick Amorati, how was your fourth? Fantastic. <laughs> Lots of purple cocktails. Took the birds out to the lavender fields, which were in full, full broom out east in uh, uh, Long Island, East Marion. We went out there. They're like Justin Bieber out there. One of my birds has four million views from one of his videos. So they're very Ooh. popular. They're, really? they're rock stars. Yeah, oh, Maui. Wow. Okay. Very good. G-Fran, I hope you guys had a good weekend as well. Uh, like I said, we did. I did yesterday as well. Um <laughs> I need well, to I address that. Was only one any hour. That was I, only one hour of my whole weekend. That was the only <laughs> politics because the German and Canadian guy wanted to have a discussion. Okay, that's fine. Hey, Woo. did you did you at least get to make fun of the Canadian guy? It's like Justin Trudeau, really? Uh, no, well, he on. can't stand them though. Like, so he, you know, he was like, he, you know, he he brought it all up. He wanted my opinions on stuff, so he knows I do the show. Um, couple things I noticed. Did you see the fireworks at the White House? Uh, no, no. Oh, there was one specifically that was uh, one specifically that went off here. I have. Yeah, did you guys see this one? No, it's this weird, weird shape. <laughs> <laughs> just, hey, yeah. that's that's definitely a Grucci creation. Yeah, yeah no so, doubt. Did you see you the fireworks in Minneapolis? That's our friend Apoktaz or whatever how it's pronounced. <laughs> He's brilliant. Uh, did I see what the fireworks in Minneapolis? No, people were driving around in their cars chasing cops. Yeah. blowing stuff up at them. At them, oh. out of the cars. Oh, not good. Out of the cars. That was Minneapolis. Now, over in Chicago, before we get to, obviously, what happened in Illinois, um, just an t- absolute tragedy. But what happened in Chicago this weekend, which it just never gets any attention. And it's every weekend. It's every weekend to some degree. This past weekend... Chicago police violently attacked with fireworks, just like had happened in Minneapolis, like Paul said. In violent 4th of July weekend, 54 people shot. Oh. 54. How many Seven by, uh, killed by gunfire. How, how many were legal guns? Vi- oh. Violent groups attacked Chicago police vehicles in at least two incidents over the holiday weekend. If you haven't seen the video out of Minneapolis of these cars driving around in the city, wow. it's really... Um, it's I'll, really unbelievable. I'll send the video to you. Maybe in the news break, we'll, do, we'll, do, we'll show the video in the B-roll. In the first incident on Saturday night, a rowdy crowd attacked a Chicago police squad car. The crowd kicked the vehicle's doors, jumped on the hoods, and punched the windshields. Chicago's police, Chicago police said an officer was traveling in a marked patrol car. Could you ever imagine as a kid growing up, I, don't, I mean, I don't know how old these, you know, Antifa no. likes art that are out in the streets. Could you imagine jumping on top of a marked police car? No. No. This is what, uh, what you're describing is something that we only heard about happen in the hangover. Yeah, or, or escape from New York. Right. 
shattered the windshield. The officer had to be taken to a local hospital, treated for minor injuries. Additional officers were called to the scene for backup. No arrests were made. A second attack happened early in the morning when fireworks were shot at at Chicago police vehicles. Individuals can be seen kicking the police vehicle in the video and shooting fireworks and physically hitting police department vehicles. Towards the end of the video, you can see a firework land on the hood of the vehicle. The vehicle sustained damage, including broken headlights, windshield shattered, damage to the hood. Officers were inside the vehicle at the time. There have been no reported arrests from this incident either. (laughs) Chicago police increased their presence in city neighborhoods for an expected surge in violence over the past weekend. 54 people were shot. Seven fatally over the 4th of July weekend. 22 people were shot on Friday alone. On Friday. Four of them killed. Chicago Police Superintendent David Brown pleaded with parents to keep track of their children amid the violence. There's no reason why, he says, everyone can't enjoy the holiday weekend. Well, I'm going to tell you who's not saying that. That's the, the Philly mayor of Philadelphia who has... Uh, overseeing the crime rise in Philadelphia and has decided now, since he's done nothing about it and he's an incompetent buffoon, he was asked about the violence in Philadelphia and he says, you know, I don't even look forward to 4th of July's because of the violence and uh, I actually can't wait till I'm not the mayor anymore so I can enjoy these holidays. Well, then, dude, step down. I mean, it's crazy. This guy's in charge. I mean, what have you done to make it better, pal? Yeah. Nothing. Last year, 19 people were killed and more than 100 people were shot in Chicago on Independence Day. And of course, the mayor of Chicago is out saying that the, somehow the political discourse is to blame for what's going on and the attack, trying to justify the attack on cops. And she doesn't mention herself or her party or her policies in any of that out of Chicago and Minneapolis and the squad and the defund the police. But no, it's the dis it's the discourse. Yeah. I also, I think I remember reading that uh, one of these idiot mayors blamed, uh, you know, these Supreme court decisions. No, it's not it. Sorry. It's been going on in your cities for years. You have coddled this kind of behavior and this is basically, you know, the, 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 Uh, as they say, they're coming home to roost. I think I remember hearing that somewhere. Who said that? Chickens are coming home to roost. Who said that about something? I forget. And I don't know how many times I've come on this show and started in the now seven years I've done it from 2015 to now, how many times I've come on this show and talked about some kind of a shooting or mass casualty event and started the conversation Um, by saying another case of an angry, demented individual who was known to law enforcement. Known. They they checked on his weapons in the past. I mean, it's I've said it so many times, it's hard to keep track of. From the Pulse nightclub to, I mean, you could just go through them. How many of these things, you start talking about it the next day or whenever the first time you have to talk about it, and the first report you talk about is the fact that he was known to the FBI, or known to law enforcement. And of course, this this 4th of July parade in Highland Park, Illinois, 
And I mean, if we don't, if we don't start talking about, start talking about angry young men in America and the cultural rot that is going on, seriously, pretty soon. I mean, I know it's easy to blame the gun, as everybody again is doing today, but my God. I mean, if you look at this kid's social media feeds, just basically laying out there, foretelling the future of violent acts. I mean, in different videos, too. One of them, he seems to be dramatizing a school shooting. He was, uh, he was supposedly some, uh, he was known as some name as a rapper. He had some video inside of a school classroom that YouTube is now, I think, taken down. Funny they take it down now. He seems in another one to, to, to have some confrontation, acts out a confrontation with police. I mean, I mean, there are some real questions here on how much, you know, are there so many of these that, that this is hard to track down? Are there so many of these kind of social media sites or, or, or these uh, people have these, say, Facebook profiles that you can't track these people down with this much information and, and, and glaring stuff on it? We'll talk about that. All right, just getting started on a Tuesday. Glad you're in. What even is that coming up? Lots to do. All right, 17 past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope you had a good 4th of July yesterday. Uh, we'll get back to the story of disaster in Illinois. And again, just somebody who was known. And this idea that they're going to try to frame this guy as uh, this creep. As somehow MAGA or Trump supporter or right wing or conservative. All you have to do is look at about any one of the hundred pictures that are out there of him. And you can tell me if you think he's a conservative. I mean, uh, just, you know, I don't know any conservatives running around wearing pink and blue hair and uh i mean not not that there's anything wrong with that fine whatever yeah, but, but it just I mean, doesn't fit the profile it just doesn't fit the profile exactly well that and the antifa flags and the neck tattoo yeah. which is right, uh, they, you know right they've all been like yeah. self-avowed communists and you know anti-establishment you know people i mean the kid from buffalo said he was a communist you know i mean i don't know i'm so sick of the lies all right, so we'll get into more of that. We'll get into some other news as well. But right now, let's get into some sports. Big weekend pass. And here with that is Rick Emirati. What's going on, pal? Happy Dave. I was looking forward to relish the hot dog eating contest story, but I'm going to defer that to Rick later on in the show, and I'll pick up whatever he might miss. What but, even is that coming up top of the hour? I mean, the yes, the breadcrumbs that he misses. Yes, we'll go to Baloney Island. Uh, so world's oldest rodeo, June 28th to July 4th, 300,000 plus purse. The Prescott Rodeo Grounds, Prescott, Arizona, all wrapped up. Here are the finals all around Cowboy. Seth Hall, $5,905 for tie-down roping and team roping. Uh, bareback Tim O'Connell, great Tim O'Connell, 87 and a half points on Championship Pro Rodeo's Boom Boom Girl, 65-57. Steer wrestling, Rowdy Parrot, good old Rowdy Parrot, four seconds flat, looking good. Team rope. 
doping. We had a tie. Lightning Aguilera and Colby Payne, along with uh, Tyler Waters and Matt Sherwood, 5.9 seconds each, 25.98 each. Uh, Saddle Bronc, Tanner Butner, 86.5 points on Championship Pro Rodeos. Secret Agent, $6,700. Good payouts. Tie-down roping, second round, Blaine Cox, 9.1 seconds, 2,900. And steer roping, Cole Patterson, 10.9 seconds, $1,127. Bull riding, last but not least, Canyon Bass, 86 points on 4L and Diamonds S Pro Rodeo. Cabo, 73-29. Guys, Sunday night, USFL Championship, Stallions, hold off stars and thriller for title. United States Football League capped off season with championship between Birmingham Stallions and Philadelphia Stars. Ryan Gatos of Fox News. This is from Tom Benson Stadium, Canton, Ohio, NFL Hall of Fame Stadium there. Birmingham Stallions quarterback Alex Magoo threw an eight-yard touchdown pass to Victor Bolden Jr. late in the game, and linebacker Scooby Wright III had a pick six to seal the USFL Championship on Sunday night over the Philadelphia Stars. I thought I was watching Saturday uh, cartoons, Saturday morning cartoons. We have Scooby-Doo here and Alex Magoo. So Magoo was thrust into the game after Jim R. Smith was dealing with cramps. He threw an interception early in the fourth quarter and was clearly frustrated on the sidelines. Birmingham coach Skip Holtz assured Magoo they were going to win the game. On the next drive, Magoo had the go-ahead touchdown pass to Bolden. Magoo finished the game 7 for 10 with 77 yards, a touchdown pass, and an interception. Smith was 10 for 18 with 131 yards and a TD as well. Bo Scarborough rushed for 135 yards on 13 carries and he broke a 70-yard uh, run during the game. The Stallions were the best team in the USFL all season long, finishing the year 9-1 and and winning the South Division. The team had to beat New Orleans Breakers to get into the championship game. There actually were fans in the stadium. Pretty good crowd, but the first good crowd that we saw this year. Really curious to see how the numbers are, the ratings, and what the future of that league will be. As we know, NFL TV ratings and are, are what makes the NFL great. We don't know about the USFL if it's going to be able to hold on. And one more. We got a unique situation here. JT Poston goes wire to wire to win John Deere Classic Seal in the uh, Seal the Spot and Open Championship. This is an AP report. As I always tell you, very rare somebody goes wire to wire from Thursday to Sunday in golf tournaments, but this gentleman did it in Silvis, Illinois. JT Poston completed a wire to wire victory Sunday in the John Deere Classic for his second PGA Tour title. Three strokes ahead uh, entering the day at TPC Deer Run. Poston closed in with a two under 69 for a three-stroke margin over fellow Open qualifiers Christian Buzanot and Emiliano Grillo. Uh, Poston is the third wire-to-wire winner in tournament history following Scott Hotch in 1980 and David Frost in 1992. The 29-year-old player from Hickory, North Carolina finished 21 under 263 and uh, that was a great weekend for him. So uh, JT Poston, you might be wondering how much money he won. $1,278,000 versus Brandon Grace who wins the U.S. first event for the controversial Live Golf Tournament, Big D. He took home $4,375,000. So those that live Saudi golf uh, tournament is paying a lot of moolah because uh, that's a big difference. In, in, in uh, Grace closed with a 7 under 65 on Saturday to finish at 13 under in the 50 full four hole tournament at Pumpkin Ridge Golf Club. So, boy, that's a big disparagement there, I'll say. And that's a wrap in sports. Back to you, D. I saw a couple other PGA Tour players went over to live. I think it was, was it Pat Perez or somebody was interviewed? He said, listen. Uh, I've been on the tour for <laughs> I've been on the tour for longer than some of these young guys have been alive, and and uh, I really want a Range Rover. <laughs> <laughs> At least he said it. He didn't try to give us some. You know who else I saw comment was uh, Gary Player. Gary Player. Yeah. Did you hear his comments? Yeah. Those were pretty um, pretty striking. You know, Gary Player was considered one of the greatest 
Right? Wasn't he just, uh, you know... He, he had was, a run. Oh, sure. He had a run, right? Where he was just considered one of the best ball yep. strikers there was, right? Absolutely. Fantastic. And he just basically called out everybody saying, who, who, who is anyone in America to uh, call yep. out human rights? Based, I, I don't have him. I don't exactly yeah, know what he did said. A, but he something. alluded to the, uh, to the Uyghurs and the, and the human rights violations in China. And these big corporations are always standing by them. Don't say a word. Well, he also said, who was who anyone in America to call out human rights violations? And he basically, like, you know, basically said all these wars we've gone into and the way that America has treated the world. So I, they were kind of controversial. I'll, I'll see if I can pull them up. I, I'm sure I can find them. So. But in fairness, come on. I mean, in fairness, o- Obama and Bush, they, they, it, it, was never, it was never about what they said it was out. I was hook, line, and sinker, bought it all. And I'll be the first to admit, like, you know, there was – you know, some massive, massive human rights violations. There's no benevolence in government anymore, and I don't know, man. I'm just disgusted. I, I just think it's, uh, I think it's okay to say it at this point. I mean, most Americans don't want us bombing the daylights out of innocent non-combatants. Yeah, I'll see if I can find the comments. I can play them for you in full, so I'm not uh, screwing up what he said. So, all right, let's do some news on here. With that is Paul Nolan. What's going on? Uh, yeah, I saw the wacko Bette Midler turned against the <laughs> political correctness when she took offense to referring to women as menstruators or birthing people. Both terms the left uses uh, to include transgender community. Uh, in a message addressed to women of the world, the 76-year-old Midler wrote, we are being stripped of our rights over our bodies, our lives, and even our name. No stranger to controversy. After criticizing Supreme Court decision to overrule Roe v. Wade, her 4th of July tweet criticized the language used by transgender activists to refer to biological women, including those who identify as men. They don't call us women anymore. They call us birthing people or menstruators and even people with vaginas. Don't let them erase you. Every human on earth owes you, she wrote. Huh. So, uh, wow. That's from Bette Midler, who can't, who can't do two of those things. Wow. At her age. <laughs> yeah, it's a kind of surprising coming from her. But, I uh, thought she was all down with the woke uh she used to be. Woke terminology. Now well, she's not. Well, she'll be canceled any minute now, so I don't Well temp- she hasn't sold any records <laughs> anyway, so uh, I don't think it matters. She's gonna boycott Spotify. I saw yeah. well, I, I guess I, I heard she's gonna sing to Barbara Streisand on their birthday. They'll just meet each other, <laughs> then they'll be the only two who listen to each other anymore. Did you see Carosby stills a Nash there, decided to go back to Spotify? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing when the checks don't come in, boy. I guess I won't be doing that story. <laughs> yeah. Guess uh guess that 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 uh, quickly brought him back there yeah it's so nice to see the wokeness just and you see top gun is cranking in the theaters yep. and uh you see that the buzz light yeah uh the yeah the, sucks the, the woke edition woke movie an affront to your senses people aren't watching it and people are leaving disney disney plus's numbers keep going down and i mean it's a huge bomb the the the, the disney movie i mean that is a yeah. huge bomb and when bomb. you consider what a phenomenal Phenomenal movie. The first, to- all three Toy Stories were terrific, right? I mean, yeah. when you, you anybody with kids like our age, oh, what, what, you want to watch Toy Story? Great, I'll watch it again when you right. the v- pop in the VCR. And it was terrific. Yeah, and it's not, and it's on way more screens than Top Gun was on in different countries. Total bomb. All right, live from Studio Six B. More news when we get back.
Live from Studio 6B, 30 minutes past the hour on a Tuesday night. Glad you're in. Hope you had a great weekend. Let's do some more news. Since we only got to one story there. And uh, news is brought to you by our friends at Seven Cells. Sports, by the way, was brought to you by our friend Mike Lindell. Big flash sale at My Pillow. I posted about it today on Getter. You ever looking to get a pillow, man? Now may be the time. I don't remember a lower price, nineteen bucks. Wow! From my pillow flash sale today. I was on the site today. There's a lot of two for ones. Yeah. Buy like this geezer sheets. You buy one set of geezer, they give you one free. LFS six B is the code to use. Get your ten to sixty percent off, depending on what you buy. But flash sale available right now. Mypillow.com/slash/lfs6b. What else is going on, Paul? Um, uh, Former President Donald Trump. On Tuesday, warned against removing the tariffs on China that would put, uh, uh, he said uh, that he put in place. He said that uh, that it would be the greatest gift that China could ever receive. And uh, President Biden said he he was considering lifting the tariffs. The administration hopes um, it would uh, ease record high inflation, which hit eight point six percent in May. And uh, President uh, Trump said, "Believe it or not." Is looking more and more like the United States is getting ready to remove tariffs on China. This would be a terrible mistake. These tariffs may have uh, have brought uh, many billions of dollars to our country and, and may and affected uh, our business, such as steel, viable again in the United States. Doing this would be the greatest gift that China could ever receive. So, um, what's interesting is there's a lot a lot of people in the financial community that are that are looking for the president to do this. They continue to call it low hanging fruit to try and and remove the tariffs with China, that somehow that's going to help the market, help with inflation. Gordon Cheng has a different take. He tweeted this today. He said, President Biden thinks he can reduce inflation by removing the China tariffs. That belief, however, rests on a fundamentally flawed view of how prices adjust. Sellers don't drop prices when their costs go down. They drop prices when demand for their goods goes down. Bingo. Yep. <laughs> So you're hearing a lot of talk about this, but um, and it just kind of goes in line with the other Bidenomics, as they call it today in the Wall Street Journal that you're hearing. Did you see the president's tweet to the oil companies oh this, my God, this uh, weekend? Yeah. And you just, I mean, I know he's always lived off the public dole, but I mean, you just wonder, you wonder if he has any idea how any of this works. And even, the, you know, even the... Uh, <laughs> Establishment shill be so shot back at him. Did you guys see his his response to it? He sure did. I yeah. retweeted it because he he basically called him stupid. He said this is just so stupid. Yeah, and it's not the first time he's done it. I'm talking about Bezos. He uh, I think it was a week or two ago. Yep. He also went after him. Yeah, it's true. You know, Charles Payne of- from Fox Business went after him. He said he said you know this this is. This is not helpful at this point. We need somebody who understands how the market actually works, private business works. This is just, he also, I think, called it stupid. He said, this tweet is so stupid. Uh, cut four, Jake. Jury, uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre was asked about this tweet. Awesome. Uh, roll that. How did the president go from blaming high gas prices on Putin to big oil to small business owners now? Well, here's the thing about that. Um, Peter, is when you look at, um, as of this morning, when you look at the crude oil uh, and when you look at wholesale oil prices as well, they've declined about 
15 percent. Found it. And so retail gas prices, have, however, have <laughs> only declined just about 3 percent over the same time period uh, as we have seen uh, with the crude oil prices and the uh, wholesale gas prices. And meanwhile, those same uh, retailers are profiting, their profit have gone up about 40 cents, nearly 40 cents in, in that same period of time. So what the president is saying is that everyone along that chain, along that production ch chain line, needs to needs to make sure that they're doing what what is possible, their part, in bringing down the, the cost for, for the American people. That is what we're asking. Consumers should not, should not be the first to pay and the last to benefit. Jeff Bezos says the president's tweet about this is either straight-ahead misdirection or a deep misunderstanding of basic market dynamics. Which as, is it? As you know, we, we completely disagree with Jeff Bezos. Look, we will continue to call on everyone along that distribution chain, as I just mentioned, from oil companies to refineries to distrib distributors to, to retailers to pass their low, lower costs uh, through to con consumers. That is what is important to, to make sure that we should not make, again, consumers pay first and get that, re and get that relief last. She doesn't understand it any better than Biden does. No. And as the Wall Street Journal today calls it, they say uh, people chalking up this uh, tweet that he put out over the weekend attacking on oil companies to political cynicism are being way too generous. This is willful ignorance about how private, uh, private companies and the private economy actually work. So B Biden's tweet was, my message to the companies running gas stations, which... I'll bet you Biden doesn't even know how, what percentage of gas stations in this country are actually owned by what would be considered like the big oil companies. It's, I'll, I'll bet he doesn't, and she certainly doesn't know either. Bring down the price you are charging at the pump to reflect the cost you're paying for the product and do it now, he said. And of course, the Wall Street Journal points out, by the way, just as a side note, if Donald Trump had issued such a command, the left would have been crying he's an authoritarian, of course. Um, they say it's embarrassing for the leader of the free world to sound like he's channeling Hugo Chavez. A Chinese state media flack praised Mr. Biden's tweet. China said now U.S. President Biden realized that capitalism is all about exploitation, they said. This is a tweet from the Chinese. He didn't believe this before. Or maybe he did not nobody wanted to believe it. And the journal says, you think President Biden's Ivy League educated economic advisors would have informed him that the large refiners own fewer than 5% of all gas stations in America. Less than 5%. More than 60% are operated by an individual or family that owns a single store. And the rest are independently owned chains or grocery stores that sell fuel. Many licensed brands from the refiners. Refiners largely exited the retail business in the 2000s because of the thin profit margins. The Energy Information Administration says distribution and marketing made up about 5% of the price of gasoline in May, or about $0.22 cents a gallon. This covers the cost of freight, labor, utilities, real estate, and credit card fees, which can average more than $0.10 cents a gallon. Most gas stations make a few cents a gallon in profit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and stay in the business mainly by selling food, cigarettes, and things inside the store. Yeah. 
The National Association of Convenience Stores says its members are struggling amid high gas prices because customers are making fewer stops and buying less. More than a quarter of gas stations have closed since the 1990s because they couldn't make the economics work. If retailers were to sell fuel at cost, most would go out of business. Perhaps those owned by large refiners could survive, but they'd be accused of predatory pricing by people like Joe Biden. The president's economic ignorance isn't a one-off. In recent months, he's accused oil and gas companies of price gouging and demanded they increase production, even while his administration threatens to put them out of business. We know the deal. He put a stranglehold on American energy from day one. He told us he was going to do it in the run-up to the election, and he did it on day one. We know that. And then they talk about Bezos' tweet, but it's, it's just stunning. Not really, because he's an idiot. But you would think that the White House, and more importantly, you would think that the reporters, and I mean, Ducey does a good job, but you would think one of them maybe throws that at her. Some of what the Wall Street Journal writes about today. Yeah, not, not only that, but the fact that the most influential part of oil prices is the, the trading the future is part of it, which is which which they need to 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 kind of hedge their bets on, you know, because the speculators they're the ones that are really driving the price because they 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 are based on what they see coming down the road. And if the administration is putting in policies that are going to restrict, then they have to play that angle. But they don't ever talk about that. Bingo. They just say supply and demand. It's the evil oil companies. Let's make them the bad guy because it looks good on a bumper sticker, and the and the voters will love me. Well, I mean, let's uh, let's not give the oil companies a free pass here. No. I mean, they're clearly taking advantage of the situation, as you said as well. You know, in conjunction with speculation and speculators, but it's so simple. Just open up the Keystone Pipeline. Let's start fracking. Let's start using clean energy. How about some nuclear power around the world here? Yeah. For God's sakes, I mean, it doesn't fit in their agenda because it doesn't doesn't march us all into their market. They want to drive us all into their pen and buy their toys that they're invested in. It's all it comes down to. The the global leaders, the World Economic Forum, all these, you know, all the the big guys at the top are just marching us into into their, their controlled corporatist market. And it's a joke. It, 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 it's criminal. It's, so, it's beyond criminal. And, and at this point, I, I don't understand why some states just can't say, hey, to heck with you. We're drilling. I'd love to see states take power back in the, like in, you know, and expand, and expand uh, their research and development. Well, you know, we did have the, uh, the, which is a story. I don't think we got to right last week, Damon, about the EPA. <clears throat> the the, the uh, Supreme Court? Supreme Court. Yeah, we didn't really dive deep into it. But that that could be one of the uh, ripple effects because they, they've cut back, you know, what the powers of the EPA are. And who knows? Maybe that's going to start start to uh, show itself in these other departments with all these unelected bureaucrats sitting in them, making policy, making laws, and uh, kind of reverse things. Who knows? Well, let me make you guys feel a little better about this before we hit the commercial break. Cut three, Jeeve. Uh, we have somebody who's on it. Roll that.
Another thing we spoke to the VP about were these high gas prices and inflation that we're seeing going into the July 4th weekend. We asked her what her message was to Americans concerned about paying those high prices as they travel. She said she was firm that the administration is making this a top priority, and she also pointed again to Russia as one of the main culprits. Sure, good. <laughs> Well, we first of all need to, to deal with it, and the president and our administration, we have been in terms of being probably one of our highest priorities, which is to bring down gas prices and to deal with the cost of living, um, in, including what has been happening um, with prices on, on various goods that are almost directly related to a pandemic that impacted oh, the God. supply chain in a profound way. Russians, Russia's and Putin's war in Ukraine and what that has meant in terms of gas and oil. And so we're working on bringing down basically the cost of, of what life requires for people, which includes we're fighting for things like affordable child care, right? Can't get oh, the yeah. votes yeah, in the Senate, but What's we believe that working families shouldn't pay more than 7% of their income in child care. We're fighting for f paid family leave. If it wasn't clear before the pandemic, it certainly was clear during the pandemic. Gee, when people leave. are sick, they... I mean, there's no point yeah, listen. We're not even on gas anymore. No. Talking points. <laughs> talking points. Re redirect. Talking points. We're uh, bringing down the virtue price signal, of, talking points, virtue signal, the price of life of whatever everyone needs or whatever. Yeah. And then that cackle just to get everyone to turn the channel off. Did you they see don't even have votes for the thing that she's saying she wants with the child care. She was um, play cut nine, Jay, because this is pretty funny. She was interviewed. We have 50. Now we got to go to break. She was interviewed at um, by Essence magazine. And she was at some function for Essence. <laughs> yeah, I saw this. <laughs> Essence Fest. Well, I don't know. I'm not sure who was in charge of the background there, but someone <laughs> should be fired, I would think, from her office because they couldn't even spell Louisiana right. <laughs> oh, please. Louisiana. 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 Oh, Louisiana. That's how they wrote it. <laughs> we'll get to that. No. no that's that's a Louisiana. Oh, no. Louisiana. <laughs> oh, Luzana. Don't you got the no. I come from Alabama. <laughs> and nobody there noticed it either. Because <laughs> they all can't spell. All right, 13 to the hour, live from Studio 6B. We got more to do. Good stuff coming up. What even is that? Top of the hour. Uh, ben Berkwam was at a... Um, See what what's going on down in Texas today. They're going to declare an invasion and in, incite yeah. uh, some constitutional powers that the state thinks they might have. So nice. Chip Roy spoke at that today. Um, so I'll have some of that. And then we'll get back to this shooting in Illinois. Because, um, I mean, I don't know. I think we all should have some serious questions about what we have found out, even in this last couple of days. Because... There was so much on the social media front of trails and things of this kid. And you just wonder how many of these kind of pages are out there? How many guys like this are out there? Are there so many that we can't? And I know he was on, everyone, he was on the, the radar of at least the police, as they told us today. We'll get to that cut. But how is it possible that... Um, we can't be more on top of these kind of guys. How many can be out there that they can't they can't manage to to uh Did you guys see on Twitter no. that MK Ultra was actually trending on Twitter? No. 
it's just interesting. So I, I, I just saw someone make an interesting connection to it. I, but I, not, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But on my Getter page, I did put a Joe Rogan uh, interview from two, uh, 2020 about a, a researcher of MK Ultra and, and Project Bluebeam. It was just interesting stuff. It was just fascinating stuff. So I just thought it was. That's why I just assumed that's why it was trending because. It's just insane how many psychopaths are out there just murdering innocent people. Well, just well, but again, to getting back to this kid, when you have your social media that just is glorifying, like, glorifying this kind of violence and glorifying uh, mass shootings, there, how many of them there can, can there be that we can't investigate? I mean, well, how many things do you have to post? Would be my question. How many things do you have to post on social media? And what before. Like, what about the profile of all these people? How do their social media feeds, like, look compared to each other? How does their individual algorithm look? And now we could have at least a, a, a case study of, a, of, of what these, like, the, like, what leads up to these people going so incredibly crazy. There's got to be a way to identify even sooner than just the obvious hateful stuff they put up there you know well, what i mean like well we yeah. we somewhat have that in an article i have today paul to be honest with you that's a perfect lead-in but we'll do it we'll do it when we get back after what even is that because right now we'll do sports but i have a professor two professors who did just exactly that what you just laid out um and i'll tell you what the results are to your question so but let's find let's first do sports and hear what that is uh rick Amirati. what's going on pal All right, big d let's take a hop and a skip over to the old pond let's get to wimbledon over the weekend and then earlier today uh leading up to the quarterfinals wimbledon 2022 day nine novak djokovic on jabor cam nori and tatiana maria advanced the semifinals. this is liz rocha of yahoo sports in men's action novak djokovic eats out comeback win over yannick sinner uh novak djokovic has won his last 36 matches on on Wimbledon center court, but but today that streak came dangerously close to ending when Djokovic faced the young, talented Italian Yannick Sinner. Sinner, who was just 20 and the number 10 seed, had Djokovic cornered several times and even jumped out to uh, to set lead. But in the end, he couldn't keep up the pace against Djokovic, and uh, the number one seed and number three player in the world ended up prevailing. 5-7, 2-6, 6-3, 6-2, in a thrilling five-setter that lasted three hours and 35 minutes. So he earned his pay today. And uh, Nori defeats Goffin to uh, keep UK hopes alive. The UK's hopes of having a home country champion is still alive thanks to Cameron Nori's 3-6-7-5-2-6-6-3-7-5 win over David Goffin. Nori will face Novak Djokovic in the semis on Thursday. And in the women's, number one, Iga Svitek, upset at Wimbledon over the weekend, ending her third 37 match win. She lost to Elise Cornette, 6-4, 6-2 on Saturday, which was a shocker because she's been on some roll. But um, Jabor uh, made first Grand Slam semi with historic win over uh, Buzakova. Tunisia's Anjapur, the highest seeded woman left in the entire tournament. Number three, punched her ticket to her first Grand Slam semi with a 3-6-6-1-6-1 statement win over unseeded Maria Buzkova. And uh, last but not least, German's women tennis was on full display Tuesday with Tatiana Maria defeating her fellow country woman, Jewel Niemer, uh, 4-6-6-2-7-5. Maria will face Anjabur on Thursday. So we're getting down to the end there for Wimbledon. And some sad news today. ESPN NFL reporter and handicapping expert Hank Goldberg has passed away at the age of 82. This is from ESPN. Oh, Hammer Hank, and Hank. Hammer and Hank. That's right, Paul. Hank Goldberg, who worked at ESPN as an NFL reporter and handicapping expert for more than two decades, died Monday on his 82nd birthday. His family had confirmed. Goldberg had been in treatment for chronic kidney disease in recent years. 
is known as Hammering Hank, as Paul mentioned. Goldberg was 500 or better in 15 of his 17 NFL seasons. He's like me, uh, while predicting games at ESPN. He made appearances on NFL Countdown and ESPN Radio and contributed to the network's thoroughbred racing coverage. He began his career in the 1970s as an assistant to handicapper Jimmy the Greek Snyder. Remember the great Jimmy the Greek, Big D? Back in the day, you were a little guy then. But uh, Goldberg uh, had also been a uh, contributor on ESPN's Daily Wager and uh, obviously sad news. Hank was a bigger part of ESPN's soul than anyone will ever know, said long-term time ESPN anchor Chris Berman. His information made us smarter. His insight made us wiser. His friendship made us better people. Rest in peace, Hammer, and thank you from all of us. And, and that's from um, the great Chris Berman as well from ESPN. Uh, and one last one, Big D, Tyler Reddick wins at Road of America for NASCAR Cup <laughs> Series. This is an AP report. Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. Tyler Reddick needed a little, little longer than expected to win his first NASCAR Cup Series. The circumstances of his triumph made it worth the wait. Reddick won Sunday at Road America by outdueling Chase Elliott, the defending champion on the course and the current points leader. The victory came in the 92nd start of his Cup career, which has included five second-place finishes. And uh, Kyle Larson ended up finishing third, followed by Ross Chastain and Daniel Suarez. And that's NASCAR action and a wrap in sports. Back to you, Big D. Hey, I don't know if you have this story coming up. I don't want to ruin it, but did you hear about the follow-up to Demarius Thomas? Yes, I did, and I do have that big day. The uh, Denver Bronco, I will have that report. Yes, okay. yes, sad news. That's sad. Yes. Um, and your I, guy, Des Bryant, did you hear his reaction to it? I, I love the Marius Thomas. In fact, I bet the Broncos last year, the day they, they, they tribute, the, uh, the team played like Warriors. They, they, everybody loved him, so I didn't – I don't know the story, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, that was a great story. I, I do have that. No, sad story, but great story about his CTA uh, diagnosis earlier uh, today. CTE? CTE, CTE yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. no. Oh, no. Yep. Um, so just quickly, speaking of why the press secretary doesn't get pressed, because when she does, this is what she ends up sounding like. Cut 5G. Roll that. Why is there a voicemail of the president? Talking to his son about his overseas business dealings, if the president has said he's never spoken to his son about his overseas business dealings. Well, first I'll say that uh, what the president said stands. So if he if that's what the president said, that, he, that is what stands. And Usually second, secondly, <laughs> but secondly, concerning secondly, business dealings. And Peter, he says, I think you're clear. How is that not him talking to his son about his overseas business dealings? <laughs> We're not from this podium. I am not going to talk about alleged materials it's from the laptop. So I will. I'm not. Voice on the voicemail. I am not going to talk about alleged materials on the laptop. Are it's you not happening. Then that it is not. Peter, I refer you to uh, to his son's representative. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Are you kidding me? The only, what, it's what, the only pressing she ever gets. I mean, how how is nobody asking that question as well? But the. I mean, she might as well just answer that's none of your business. It's none of your business. I'm above you. <laughs> With this boy right now, why why is she even trying to like, you know, play politics? Just She should even do one better. She'd just be like, you know what? I don't know. Uh, you're gonna have to ask him because I got nothing. Exactly. <laughs> Do you have that Kamala clip? We have time for that one. I I think that actually somebody did follow up and say, you know, in reference to Peter's question that you really didn't answer. I think the kid from the uh, the Washington Examiner, possibly, did follow up. I did see a clip on there um, on social media, but I don't know if we do. We have that, G. The follow up to that. Okay. Um, all right. Let's. Uh, we'll hit the break. We'll come back. What even is that coming up? Top of the hour. Let's see if we can find that. 
Kamala Harris spoke tonight. She gave some <laughs> very good information that I want to make sure you're, you're following. Yeah. Can't wait. I'm excited. She's the future of the Democratic Party. Live from Studio 6B, hour two on a Monday, on Tuesday. Hope you had a good Monday, 4th of July. Hope it was good. Uh, it was good for all of us. Good to be back. Yep. Uh, lots to talk about still, lots to do. Some clips. What even is that coming up here in a second? More sports, more news. The vice president was speaking somewhere today on the street. And um, <laughs> I always like to bring you brilliance when I hear it. Uh, and thank well, you. This, this, this is right up there. Let's listen to this. Um, we gotta take this stuff seriously, as seriously as you are, because you have been forced to have to take it seriously. Okay, one more time. Let's let's crank that up a little bit, Fran. We hear this. This one's gonna go down. This will be in a book somewhere with a quote around it. Um, we gotta take this stuff seriously, as seriously as you are, because you have been forced to have to take it seriously. Okay. <laughs> think, is she is she quoting Nietzsche? We've got to. We've got to take this stuff seriously, Paul, as seriously as you are because you have been forced to have to take this seriously. Yeah, I think Nietzsche yeah. said that first. Okay. Yeah. It was either, either, yeah, it was either that or Plato. I'm not sure. We've got to take this stuff seriously, <laughs> as seriously as you are because you have been forced to have take this seriously. Duh. Yeah, exactly. Duh. Duh. Of course. About what I expect from a street performer. <laughs> 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 yeah, as you notice, nobody was throwing in money. Uh, did he say street walker or performer? No, perform street performer. <laughs> Either one fits, though. Either one fits. Let's one more time. Um, we got to take this stuff seriously, as seriously as you are, because you have been forced to have to take it seriously. Okay. All right. She very is, good. Uh, she's special. Go on your Smith. Go on your <laughs> go on your yonder way there. All right, uh, it's time now for one of my new favorite segments here on the show, and that, of course, is Rick Delgado with What Even Is That? All right, well, thank you, Damon. And, uh, you know, I'm going to try to take this as seriously as serious is because we're serious about what we do here on yes, the show. very much. Seriously. So, with that said, I hope everyone had a great July 4th weekend, but... Just when you thought you could get a chance to maybe celebrate America for all that she is, mm -hmm. well, the left unfortunately gives us a grim reminder of the worst America has to offer. Yeah, from the resident in cheat uh, to the dude who has to beat little girls on a skateboard competition to feel like a real woman, yeah. to the violence of shootings committed by criminals who the left loves to come to the rescue of. Yeah. You would think that some of these would be sacred, some of the, the traditions that we have, like like maybe a mother cradling, cradling her child and Super Bowl Sunday, and of course, all the way to the Nathan's famous hot dog 
eating contest. There are just some things we see as sacred American traditions. Sure. Now in its 50th year, the July 4th tradition not only celebrates America's independence, but also highlights and showcases some of her finest athletic specimens competing at a time (laughs) on her tradition of competitive eating. Well. Yes. But now that that time-honored uh, <laughs> tradition of shoveling food down one's gullet is also under attack as the liberal left continues to find new and innovative ways to show their utter disgust for the country that actually makes their very existence possible. Sure. Just try some of this crap in Russia. See what happens. Right, Bert- Brittany? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. What kind of crap were, you, uh, were, were they up to, you ask? Well, check out what happened this weekend in Coney Island. I mean, come on. What even is that? And no, it's not a surprise appearance from Lord Helmet. It's the un-American left, and they've decided that along with practicing your religion and owning a firearm, that not even voluntarily stuffing your wieners in your face hole will be spared from their un-American vomit-inducing scorn. Yeah. As the headline reads, Joey Chestnut takes down a protester and still wins. Nathan's hot dog eating contest. Yes. Check this out. Yes. I mean, Joey may be from the West Coast, <laughs> but that's a, that's a really good right arm chokehold. Oh, Look at this. Yeah. Get he's out got of here, on punk. that dweeb that's who ended exactly up taking right. it, who ended up winning the crap eating contest. He was after he was thrown to the ground and hopefully kicked a few times wow. in a salute to good old fashioned American. Hey, we've had enough of your crap today. Yeah. <laughs> so on this edition of What Even Is That, and this could be the first time I've ever done this. We'd like to honor Joey Jaws Chestnut as a real American hero. All right, very good. Real American hero. Yes, today we salute you, Joey Jaws Chestnut, as a real American hero. (laughs) Mr. Joey Chestnut, Nathan's famous champion hot dog eating guy. Yes, you, Joey Chestnut. Not only do you hold the world record for hot dog eating, but now you're recognized the world over for choking down dogs while choking out a leftist liberal loser without <laughs> missing a beat. Yeah. Whoa! That's right. Setting the record for simultaneously eating wieners and whipping ass. Yeah. That's why we salute you, Joey Chestnut. <laughs> for on this 4th of July, you reminded America by upholding two long-standing American traditions at the same time, and that's what it means to be great. Yeah. Mr. Joey Chestnut, Nathan's famous hot dog eating champion guy. Damon, back to you. <laughs> okay. okay, wow. Uh, Rick Delgado singing it. I would not have had on my bingo scorecard for tonight, but uh, very good. Yeah. Well, I used to love those commercials. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, he is. It is on my bingo card, and it's still there. Bingo guy. <laughs> Shut up. Cut the mustard. <laughs> Jake, can we go back to the picture G of the guy up there with the sign? Can we just can we address the actual oh, sign for a second? Paul, this must be something you know. Expose Mythfield's Death Star. Oh yeah. It's supposed to be Smithfield. His hand is covering up the Smithfield's S. yeah. Okay. Beef. What is that, Paul? Is that that CERN quantum? Thing that's uh, like changing molecular no. structures in the atmosphere. <laughs> You're just making things up now. No, no, that's I, a real know. thing. That they turn that back on, right? Yeah, they just turn that thing on. Is that what yeah. he's referring to? Smithfield's Death Star. I don't. Know. Okay. No, Smith, I think Smithfield is the the food company. Yeah. Oh, right. That makes hot right, dogs right, and right. you know other. Oh, meat okay. Products. So it's a shot that. at the. Oh, uh, right. Oh, okay. So it's a shout out to I, food. I guess they shouldn't be picking what? up all the scraps on the floor to make hot dogs. When grass fed, what do they want? Some, 
hurting the it's hurting the uh the world or something the planet all the hot dogs is that what the deal is yeah the, the thing is the guy had it wrong because nathan's only uses all beef franks so his uh his thing about going after Smithfield for their uh, the use of, of pork kind of misses the mark. Yeah. Um, well, you know, as Matt Margolis said in uh, PJ Media today, the left really doesn't understand patriotism, and we, we just see that more on display. And you think about what's her name, Mara Gray from the New York Times. Remember when she says, she says I see an American flag? I get uh, weirded out. Yeah. Remember her? Yep. You think of her on days like yesterday. And then you think of places like the your Islanders, Paul, that became famous for their national anthem renditions during the playoffs. Yeah, How great that was. Yeah, because yeah, uh, I believe uh, what what they say because we're all colonial, colonialist, racist hockey fans, all white people. That's why we sang it. <laughs> it's amazing you get attacked for liking the country. Yeah, apparently, Smithfield Foods has been a victim of, or a target, I should say, of PETA for I guess animal violations or something. Uh huh. Okay. And did you see what the Orlando mayor, I guess, tweeted out? No. Uh, about his uh, about July Fourth. How you know he's not really sure about celebrating. I don't want to. I don't want to misquote it. I'll look for it. But basically, he's like, you know, you probably don't want to celebrate because of all the hate and divisiveness going on this weekend. You know, just just that kind of message. It's like, dude. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. Um, here's the follow-up that I was talking about from Philip Wegman. And again, a follow-up, we have all heard it. The president likes to say, uh, I will always level. He said, um, moments ago, though, you seem to dismiss Peter's question about his conversation with the son, Hunter Biden, uh, with regards to his business dealings. And I'm wondering, how is that silence consistent with the president's promise to always level with the American public? Because you know, in, in public, he says he, he hasn't discussed these business dealings. And then at least according to the, the voicemail that's been obtained by the Daily Mail and the Washington Examiner, it certainly seems like he was seeking to do exactly that, have a conversation about these business dealings. Is he leveling with the, the American public on this? Phil, I hear your question, yeah. but what I can tell I you from here, standing at this podium, of? is that I cannot comment on any materials from the laptop. And I would refer you to the representatives of, uh, of Hunter Biden. That's what I can share with you at this podium. At this Yeah, I mean, that's just weak. Because we're not talking about Hunter Biden. Right. We're talking about Joe Biden. Yeah. You're not talking about Hunter Biden's uh, voice. You're talking about Joe the Biden's president. voice. Yeah. Right. And But you think about it. He's nailed Ted to rights. And this reporter is petrified to come out and hammer away at it. It seems somewhat kind of, right. you know, he's so wishy-washy afraid to just come out and hammer away. Like that just tells you the level of power this government wields. Reporters are petrified to ask real questions. I mean, I, I kind of take the opposite view. At least he, at least he was able to follow up. He followed but, up on Peter Ducey's question from Fox. He certainly... I know, but there's so much ammunition to fire away at. Like, if that was Trump, you don't think that we, we, it would have been a, a machine gun firing squad of questions if it was Trump? Oh, of course it would have. But it, to me, like, he, I, I just thought it sounded... I mean, it was great he did something. Yeah. But... 
Rick, you're with me. But, still yeah, he, he he fluffed it up so much. He was yeah. like, but it kind of sounds right. like you know, Thanks. really giving her an out. You know, like uh, you know, instead of just saying no, um, you know, I know you can't talk about Hunter Biden, but we're not talking about Hunter Biden. Right. Talk about Joe Biden's voice. That's his voice. Yeah, Can you comment think, on that? On his voice saying this. I also think Ducey makes it look easy to have everything there, all the facts presented in such a you know concise way. It's not easy to do that. But Ducey's also like almost like you know he's a big shot in that room. The guy following up is afraid if he pushes too hard, he never gets back in there. Right. Um, well, Philip Wegman, I'm just looking at his profile here. Uh, he's the White House reporter for Real Clear News. Uh, Real Clear Politics, and I believe he's also the the head of the White House Press. I think he has some. I think he has some higher status for the whole press in that press room. If I'm, if I'm, I could be way off, but I, I believe he does. Um, but Paul's right. If it was Trump, we saw it in in Kaylee McEnany's press conferences. Basically, the whole the whole press conference was one question asked forty three times. From the same people, no matter what the answer was, they asked the same thing over and over and over and over again. Yeah, with some reporters actually getting into arguments as as she's trying to answer, or or uh, who was just before her? I forget her name. I don't know. You know, the governor's daughter. Oh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Yes. Oh, yeah. You know, they'd get into arguments. It's like she's trying to answer the question. They arguing with her while she's trying to answer a question. That would never happen now. It's all fluff. It's all protect, protect. Uh, we'll ask the question. I'll make it soft. And, you know, and, uh, you know and Paul, I, I think it was Damon, like you said, that, that they want to make sure they get back in that room because they know if they, if they get, you know, the cold shoulder, they get frozen out. They're not going to get called on. They're not going to be uh, let back in. Well, as much as they're in the tank, obviously, still for the whole party, they're like an arm of the party. It's still not the love fest that Obama was. I still think there's a lot of, yes. I still think there's a lot of the press that sees Without the writing on the wall with these people, because you do get even, you even get a little more hostile, you get more hostility towards 100%. them, one hundred percent, than you ever did with Obama. Obama, oh, they were in there drooling and oh, like yeah. kissing them on the cheek. I mean, it was outrageous. It was like soft. It, it was porn. groveling. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, live from Studio Six B. We're back Damn. right after this. <laughs> All right, 17 past the hour, live from Studio 6B. Hey, the other thing I wanted to say, I wanted to just thank the audience for, I, I was really kind of surprised on how much great feedback we got for Friday's dive into the Constitution. And I, was, I got great feedback on it, and I was really thankful to get it. Uh, for those of you who wrote specifically, were very appreciative of the Scalia time we took and breaking down the uh, what we did on Friday's show, I got a lot of um, a lot of comments on it, a lot of emails, a lot of direct messages on Getter about how people thought that was just great. We should do more of that, digging into some of these subjects in a more of a longer form format, as we did on Friday. So I just want to thank the audience for uh, for writing in and reacting to that because I wasn't really sure how that was going to go over. People, I, said, I think I actually said in the beginning of the show, you might want to pull your hair out, but <laughs> no, people really liked it. 
And why wouldn't they? Well, I don't know, because sometimes we're, we do things a little differently. We kind of right. like to delve into these things in a little longer format sometimes. Get into yeah. these subjects. I could talk about them the whole two hours, especially like tonight. I wanted to really, we've gotten into a little bit, but this, the whole shooting and this kid and, uh, I want to, I want to answer Paul because actually Paul teed it up perfectly because this is a fascinating study on uh, what these, what, what are the running traits in between all of these angry young men in this country? So if I have time, I'm going to get to that, but I just wanted to say, I really did a pre, I was, I was kind of like, each one I went through, I was kind of like, wow. Why not get into it now? I mean, I have news here. Oh, it's sports. But it's have- sports and news. Then we'll get into it. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's do some sports. Slick Rick, what's going on in sports? All right, Big D. Sports Saint- brought to you by our friend Mike Lindell. He needs all the support he can get right now yep. because obviously F Walmart is uh, canceled them. So if you're inclined to do so, my pillows right now, it's the best pillow I've ever slept on. I slept on it way before I did this show, way earlier in the 2000s when he used to go on IMUS. Back when no one who knew who Mike Lindell was, I must swore by it. I bought one. I've never slept on anything else. And it's maybe, tw- is it 20 years? It's got to be 15 years at least. You might want to buy a new one. Well, I have over over time. I've, I continually have oh, bought good. new ones. So. And I have the travel ones too. I take them everywhere I go. And he's a friend of the show. And so. the sheets wash beautifully. I actually did a uh, wash load last night. I washed my purple geezers. They look as good as the day I bought them. They okay. really, they work well. Very you know, good. They don't what? make that purple anymore. Oh, you're what kidding. Shame. He's got to get his act together with the purple. we got to talk to Mike. <laughs> okay, Come let's on. talk to Mike. <laughs> All right. All right, what's going on in sports? St. Paul Rodeo, St. Paul, Oregon, the St. Paul Rodeo Arena. All finals from the weekend, all around Cowboy. Kana Murnion, $2,846 for saddle bronc riding and bull riding. Bareback was KC Field, 89.5 points on Four Star Rodeo's Big Star, $12,098. Steer Wrestling, Timmy Sparring, 3.6 seconds, 4100 Team Roping, Coleman Proctor and Logan Medlin, 4.6 seconds, $4,074 each. Saddle bronc, Sage Newman, 89 points on Sankey Pro Rodeo and Phenom Genetics. Pendleton Roundups, Marquee, there's a mouthful, $12,281. Ooh, that's a Nice ride payoff. Uh, tie down. We have a tie. Cooper Martin and Haven Megan. 7.7 7 seconds. 3,800 apiece. And Bow Racing. Katie Pasco. 17.42 seconds. $10,947. And last but not least, Bull Riding. Hayes Weight. 91 points on Big Stone Rodeo Inks. Mr. Clean. 12,197 smackaroos. And former NFL star Demarius Thomas had stage two CTE family says. This is an AP report that you alluded to earlier. Earlier, Big D, former NFL star Demarius Thomas, who died last December at age 33, had CTE, his family said earlier today. Boston University CTE Center researchers diagnosed the four-time Pro Bowl wide receiver with stage 2 chronic traumatic encephalopathy following a brain study through the Concussion Legacy Foundation. Thomas's family released the findings of the study. Once I became aware of CTA and began to familiarize myself with the symptoms, I noticed that Demarius was isolating himself and I saw the changes in him. Katina Smith, Demarius's mother, said in a statement, he was just so young and it was horrible to see him struggle. His father and I hope all families learn the risks of playing football. We don't want other parents to have to lose their children like we did. Sage 2 CTE 
is associated with progressive behavior, cognitive and mood abnormalities. Uh, family members say Thomas developed depression, anxiety, panic attacks, and trouble with his memory in the years before his death. Stage four is the most severe stage of CTE and is usually associated with dementia. Thomas is one of the more than 300 NFL players who have been diagnosed with CTE by McKee and the Boston University CTE Center research team. Thomas played 10 seasons in the NFL for the Denver Broncos, New York Jets, and Houston Texans. He won a Super Bowl with the Broncos and Peyton Manning following the 2015 season. He had 724 catches, 9,763 yards, and uh, he actually died from a seizure. He was taking a shower, and obviously we could see what led to this. Just a terrible story for that young man who had a bright future and obviously had a great NFL career from the Denver Broncos. Sad news. You know, he was really, I'm sorry to chime in here, Please. but he was loved by his teammates in the community. He was a People love that kid, so and he always played hard. So Peyton Manning CT, was heartbroken. I remember him. CTE tweeting. is it? You know what we know now. I mean, the equipment is just so advanced. The shoulder pads, are like weapons. The helmet itself is like a weapon, and uh, the fact that they're they're doing a pretty good job trying to avoid the targeting of the head. You know, it's uh, and the speed and they and these guys, the muscle mass on these players today versus, you know, 40 years ago, 30 years ago. Back then, they were big guys hitting hard, moving quick. And but the shoulder pads were ball. so soft then. It's the same thing in hockey. The shoulder pads and the elbow pads in hockey are like actual ham. Like this, yeah. it made it such great material. You could drive through someone's head and legitimately split their skull in half. Like Crazy. it's brutal. So it's, uh, you know, it stinks. It just stinks because I love the game of football and I love hockey, but I hate seeing these kids get wrecked. Exactly. Got time for one more, Big D? Yeah, of course. Okay, fan favorite Donald Cowboy Cerrone retires at UFC 276 after loss to Jim Miller. This is Lawrence Richard, Fox Sports. Donald Cowboy Cerrone has retired from the UFC. Cerrone, 39, who has been a fan favorite fighter for much of the past decade, retired on Saturday following a bout at UFC 276 with veteran Jim Miller, who was 38. Immediately following the match, Cerrone took off his iconic cowboy hat, removed his gloves, and placed both at the center of the octagon. I don't love it anymore, Cerrone told UFC commentator Joe Rogan, waving and thanking the Las Vegas crowd. I'm going to be a movie star, baby, he added. It's time to bow out. This is the perfect event, the Albuquerque native added, as he was joined in the octagon by his two sons, both wearing cowboy hats. Cerrone remained one of the busiest fighters during his lengthy MMA career and retired with a professional record of 36 and 17. Donald, it's been a special, special career, my friend. Rogan said, you've had some beautiful moments inside this octagon, uh, and he said 100%, you'll be in the Hall of Fame one day. Rogan responded as, uh, you know, obviously Cerrone said, I hope to be in the Hall of Fame one day. Uh, his career includes 48 fight appearances in the WEC and UFC, more than any other fighter, including 18 fight of the night bonuses, tied for the most all-time. He retired with 23 wins in the UFC, tied for second most all-time. Miller with Saturday's victory over Cerrone has 24 wins. On the UFC 276 fight card, Alexander Volkanovsky uh, defended his featherweight title by defeating Max Holloway, middleweight champion Israel Adesanya, also easily won his bout over challenger. Gerard Kanye. So action in 276, Big D over the weekend, and the big old cowboy has uh, he's t- he's uh, hung him up, so to speak. And that's a wrap, Big D. Um, thanks, Rick. Uh, I did see that. I saw I saw Rogan interview him. I'm a little disappointed at Rogan, by the way, for what else came out this weekend. He did an interview with uh, Lex Friedman. You saw this, Paul? I only saw the first ten minutes of it. I, I have it queued up. It's my next. Uh, okay, let's do it. Let's do it right now. Here's the news with Paul because this is uh, I was kind of disappointed in this. Oh, you uh, you're not going to get into it. Okay, that's fine. Uh, oil uh, drops below $100 a barrel for the first time uh, since May, so we have some good news here. The drop uh, 
Uh, below Tuesday's continued sign of oil's modest but ongoing price decline after weeks of record prices at the pump. West Texas uh, intermediate crude oil dropped by nearly 10% on Tuesday, 298 bucks a barrel. So we should all be getting real cheap. Never mind. Gas, uh, gas prices uh, have steadily declined over the past week. Not here in New York, but they're saying it's nearly uh, 490 a gallon nationwide, which to think uh, a couple of years ago was, was half that. So it's still... It's uh, it's just still pretty, uh, still pretty crazy. Yeah, recession fears. Uh, oil crude took a big tumble today, and what's interesting is you've got people saying it's going sixty bucks a gallon, and you have people saying it's going to one forty. I'm um, sorry, a, a barrel, and people saying it's going to one forty a barrel, as it slips under a hundred today for the first time. I think, like Paul said, since May. But um, they people on people who are following these things have no idea where it's going. You got one who says 60, one who says 140. So All right, I'll tell you about Joe Rogan when we get back. Bye from Studio 6B on a Tuesday. Thirty minutes past the hour, live from Studio Six B. Glad you're in on a Tuesday. So, Joe Rogan goes and does the Lex Friedman podcast, which is a great podcast. I mean, Lex Friedman's a thing, like one of the great thinkers, and just he really is a phenomenal interviewer. I mean, gets into things like really gets into things, um, all kinds of topics, all kinds of people. Nothing's off limits for as far as I can tell. I know you're a big fan too, Paul. Yeah, I really. Um... You know, I just like his curiosity, and I love the research he does going into each interview. He's yeah, really talented young man, and he's very good friends with Joe Rogan, who really kind of propelled him, right? Yeah, who's been on the podcast before and went on for a second time, a friend of the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and it was just released. And on the podcast, Joe Rogan reveals that he had shot down several opportunities to interview former President Donald Trump on his podcast, and he said. I turned him down because I don't want to help him. And um, he said, quote, the Trump era is also going to be one of the weirder times when people look back historically about the division in the country. He's such a polarizing figure that so many people felt like they could abandon their own ethics and morals and principles just to attack him and anybody who supports him because he is an existential threat to democracy itself, Rogan said. Lex Freeman asked Rogan if he believed Trump had caused the division or that it was more of a symptom of the division that had already been present beneath the surface. You've got it real weird. Maybe it's going to get weirder, Freeman said, at which point Rogan posted that Trump was likely to run for president. Well, he's running again against a dead man, you know, Rogan continued. I mean, Biden shakes hands with people that aren't even there, and then he leaves the stage. I think he's seeing ghosts. You see him on Jimmy Kimmel the other day. He's just rambling. I mean, he's if it was anyone else, if it was a Republican, if that was Donald Trump doing every effing talk show, would be screaming for him to get off the air. So I don't know what to make of, I guess Rogan's not a big fan of Trump, but you made the point, Paul, saying that's no surprise. No, he, he's not a fan of Trump. I mean, he's, you know, he he's, uh, and he also knows that he can't say that he is. Because, look, in all honesty, 
But are you surprised that he turns him down to have him on his show? I, I am surprised at that. I mean, I think... He's never turned down an interview to anybody. Especially because he's had such interesting guests on. I mean, I honestly think he's afraid he has Trump on. I honestly believe he's afraid he gets canceled next. I honestly think that's what it is. But they've Look, come they, after him so hard for two years. And he keeps winning. And this might be the battle he loses on. And, you know, and look, you could call Rogan what you want. He's like, oh, he's a meathead. He's this juicer. He's a pothead. I've heard him called everything. The one thing he isn't is stupid. He is cunning and he is tactful. And he's, you know, he's a guy who knows how to play the game, in my opinion. I feel like he toes the line sometimes and asks questions he knows the answer to only because he's trying to get the guests to do the dirty work for him so he can remain above it from the cancel culture. So I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere along the way he says, okay, I'll give in, I'll have Trump. He's had Alex Jones on several times. Is there any more polarizing than Alex Jones? No. Nope. Right? I mean, no. He's had Peterson on? Yeah, he's had Jordan. Well, Jordan Peterson's just a, a – anybody who has a bad word to say about Jordan Peterson is just a pathetic human being. The guy's brilliant. He's thoughtful. He's into, he, 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 there's no way you can get away with giving me any baloney that he's you know toxic in any way. The guy is just pure pure genius and and just I could listen to him speak all day long. And did totally you see agree. his response on Twitter about I Twitter did. canceling him? Yep. His response was was magnificent. So Rogan says, quote, by the way, I'm not a Trump supporter in any way, shape, or form. I've had the opportunity to have him on this show more than once. I've said no every time. I don't want to help him. I'm not interested in helping him. I think Trump's bigger than your podcast, by the way. I don't know that you'd be giving him much help. But it's in- it is interesting that he looks at it that way. I mean, for me, if that's the case, then you don't want to help him. Bring him on the show and go head-to-head with him. Yeah. How about that? I, I think that's where he runs into the problem. Yeah. Because a lot of the times he ends up agreeing with the policy. You know what I mean? Like, like it sounds like he's not a fan of the man, but he's a fan of the policies. Because you've heard it come out the last few years, which is why he's been attacked. Because he's pointing out how absurd the left is. And some of the things, you know, that we see that it's like, you know, it's obvious to most level-headed normal people. You know, I'm a regular, Rick, I think you're onto something there because I'm a regular listener to Rogan's podcast. I, I try to at least get one or two a week. Mm-hmm. Um, he has said on several occasions how he was, you know, he did so much for the black community. He talked about how his policies were so good uh, for black business owners, how it was good for black unemployment and Hispanic unemployment. He has talked about so many of those things that the policies were great, just the way he, uh, you know, the, just just the way he, you know, tweeted and the way he talked to people was just buffoonish he doesn't he just doesn't like the way he delivers the message yeah Yeah. it could be as simple as simple as that plus like you said he's trying to protect his brand has he had any other major you know people that are have run for president on or or presidents on i don't think he's had both sides represented more than anybody he's had bernie on he's had tulsi on oh he has okay yeah Oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's for someone well, who's never turned down an interview because of ideology, I'm kind of surprised that Dizzy's making it personal. I'm surprised, too. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm surprised. I, I only could hope he's, he's looking to set it up in a way and frame it in a way where he just gives in because of the pressure. So that's all I can, I can hope for. Yeah. All right. So uh, our own Ben Berkwam has a special coming up on Saturday, 4 p.m. And today he was a part of a um, 4 p.m. law and border. <clears throat> ben does – I mean – He's doing the best work in the country of covering the border. Him and 
I know that guy Bill McGurn over at Fox does some pretty good work down there too. I think they're the only two guys who seriously cover it. Ben, more than anybody though. I think Project Veritas is starting to as well now, So, but no one's better than Ben. So no, Ben was at this Texas press conference today, um, and he actually asked a question of Chip Roy about designating uh, Antifa, I believe, in these people as terrorist groups. We'll get to his question if we can, but here's a little bit of Chip Roy today from this. It was live-streamed, I believe, on Real America's Voice on social media. Um, here's a little bit of that. Thank you all for being here. I'm Chip Roy, and I represent the 21st Congressional District of Texas, uh, just a few miles north of here, the western southwest edge of the boundary of the district that I represent in Real County. I want to thank all these sheriffs, all these judges, and all these local politicians. I really want to thank you for hosting this. I want to thank you for your courage, because what they're doing right here is doing what the Attorney General of Arizona did and what the Attorney General of Texas needs to do, which is recognize an invasion an invasion of the state of Texas that is undermining our security, risking the health and well-being of Texans, allowing fentanyl to pour into our schools and communities for Texans to die, allow our ranches to get run over, empowering cartels who are well-armed along the border with their tentacles reaching into Texas. you damn right that's an invasion. What else do you call it? You want to sit back and hand ring and sit around and wrap yourselves around the axle about a definition of invasion when the people of Texas are experiencing an invasion. And the whole point here, why we're here, is that these individuals have the courage to stand up and say it. Formally. To formally declare what is true, that we are being invaded. The language of the statement that they put out. That is a matter of law, the aforementioned facts which they outlined, outlined constitute, among other things, an invasion of Kinney County, Texas as the term invasion is used in Article 4, Section 4 of the United States Constitution, Article 4, Section 7 of the Texas Constitution. That is what is happening. I was at Eagle Pass just this morning, meeting with Border Patrol. I was on the Rio Grande. I was up when about roughly 450 individuals, mostly when I was talking to them from Cuba, Venezuela, Colombia, all coming up, walking up to Border Patrol and getting what? put in buses, and then being sent to a processing facility to be released into the United States. That is what is happening. People say, oh, that's all fine, that's all just a humanitarian thing. But what's really happening is that all of those Border Patrol agents are processing people, undermining our law, releasing them to the United States unlawfully, illegally, which is why my, my orcas should be impeached, and then distracting Border Patrol from being able to do their job of patrolling the river, allowing fentanyl, and terrorist actors and dangerous actors to come up and pour into the United States. 107,000 dead Americans from opioid overdoses and poisonings. Fentanyl, an NFL star, fentanyl poisoning. A college star, fentanyl poisoning. West Point cadets, fentanyl poisoning. What do you need to see to see the invasion that's happening to Texas? And you heard these great Americans, these great Texans, applauding the governor for stepping into the breach when President Biden and Secretary Mayorkas are leaving Border Patrol, dangling, fighting against a well-armed cartel. The, the governor is giving resources and providing help through DPS, razor wire, containers along the river. You've seen it. I was just down there looking at it today. But guess what? It doesn't work in the end if the federal government refuses to enforce the laws of the United States. And that is what is happening. Not enough razor wire, not enough container stores, and not enough DPS troopers in the world to stop a federal government refusing to do its fundamental job to defend a sovereign nation. We should declare an invasion. 
we should, as Texas, turn people away and do what is necessary to secure our communities. Because that support our communities and protect our communities first, protect Texas, and then the federal government should be doing its job under the Constitution to reinforce that. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to former Attorney General of Virginia, Ken Cuccinelli, a uh, good friend. Yeah, so there's Chip Roy. <clears throat> Cuccinelli was good, too, from this. Um, and there were some good questions. Ben asked a good question. It was good. It's it's on Real America's Voice uh, social media profile. If you haven't watched it, uh, it's quite long, about uh, an hour and a half. But it's worth watching because obviously what's going on at the border. And uh, this is what we talked about. And the, you know who brought this up was Alan West when he ran in Texas, of course, lost to Abbott. But he said that there's constitutional powers that the governor is not using. And um, this is why we talk about governors and state legislatures being so important. And today, Daniel Horowitz has a piece over at The Blaze, basically saying after SCOTUS's ruling, and that was the one, di one really disappointing ruling over the last couple weeks, was the Remain in Mexico saying that basically Biden can end it. He says, after SCOTUS ruling, states are on their own in combating this border invasion as hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens come over the border. Yesterday at my party, I talked to uh, my friend who's in law enforcement about what's going on in New York, and Rob Astorino continues to try to highlight it. And we've actually seen it firsthand, moving vans with illegals just jumping out of the back, being bussed into these towns, moved into these hotels, these CD hotels all over the place, being flown into Westchester, being moved all over the country. All over the country. And I'll tell you the other thing Biden's doing, which people don't realize, because I saw this chart today. Immigration court processing times. Throw this up, G. As you can see on the, on the right, this is 2022 over here. This is how quickly the Biden administration is getting cases on immigration out of the courts, dismissing them. This is from 1998. This chart stays at, uh, starts at, and the and the and the search data is, we've tabulated completed cases by states, administrative or other closure. The Biden administration is quietly dismissing illegal immigration cases at a rate never before seen. It's on pace to purge one million cases before the next presidential election. Those cases who are dropped will no longer ever have to fear deportation. Think about that. What has the January 6th committee accomplished? Absolutely nothing. As Americans all over the country try and figure out how to deal with record high inflation, exploding immigration, and skyrocketing crime, people are asking, what is the Biden administration doing about any of this? Another massacre in Chicago, routine. Another school shooting, it's your guns. 
high energy prices, it's Russia. Does anybody believe any of this? The answer is no. While Hunter Biden reappears at the White House, your 401ks disappear. But the January 6th committee, the people responsible for oversight and making our laws, stay completely obsessed about Donald Trump. Even though President Trump has not officially announced that he is running, he dominates any conversation involving politics. The January 6th committee is possibly the biggest sham in the history of our government. And that is a massive statement in a town riddled with corruption. What have they spent their time focusing on? Donald Trump. What do you spend your time thinking about? Feeding your family. November 22 can't get here fast enough and Americans are expecting results. I'm Christopher Carter in Washington, D.C. All right, 12 minutes to the hour, live from Studio 6B. Let's do a little more sports. Sports brought to you by MyPillow, MyPillow.com slash LFS6B. For all, man, I was just going over to that page before while you were doing sports last time. There are some great deals on our page right now. MyPillow.com slash LFS6B. Uh, what's going on, Slick Rick? All right, Big 12 reportedly in deep discussions to add as many as six Pac-12 schools. Adam Stites of Yardbarker. The Big 12 reportedly spent today meeting with representatives from multiple Pac-12 schools. Uh, and Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports says it was more than just pleasantries. According to Dodd, the Big 12 is involved in deep discussions with at least four Pac-12 members and could consider adding as many as six. Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah are the four schools that are widely considered the likeliest candidates to exit the Pac-12 and join the Big 12. But Dodd reported that uh, Oregon and Oregon and Washington may also get poached. Last week, USC and UCLA shook the college football landscape with the announcement they are going to leave the Pac-12 to become the newest members of the Big Ten in 2024. Oregon and Washington reportedly aimed to follow the Los Angeles schools, but were rebuffed by the Big Ten while it waits to see if it can add Notre Dame. Meanwhile, the Pac-12 says it has begun to explore all expansion options. So, a lot of, uh, you know, shifting around in the uh, college landscape would be very interesting. It won't be in the next year or two, but by 2024, the landscape's going to look a lot different, you know, across the board with college football, SEC, Big 12, you know, it's going to be interesting. And uh, Mo Donegal owners hope he can return to racing. Tom Padula, special to horse racing news. Almost as soon as Mo Donegal closed powerfully in the Belmont Stakes to give Donegal Racing its first Triple Crown win, an excited Jerry Crawford began anticipating big moments to come. He thought the grade one Travers was well within reach in late August. He eagerly awaited the shot against older horses in the Breeders' Cup Classic in early November. Yet, Mo Donegal might join the long list of emerging stars who were gone almost as soon as they started to shine. Uh, His career is very much in jeopardy because of bone bruising that was announced on July 2nd after he failed to display his usual vigor during morning gallops. Trainer Todd Pletcher decided to send him for an extensive veterinary examination that led to the discovery of bone bruising and the recommendation that he take 50, 60 days of rest. Remember, Mo Donegal was a great horse owned uh, uh, by um, New York, uh, uh, a New York owner who had bought the uh, the horse uh, or partnered in with the group. So it would be interesting to see what happens with that. That was uh, New York native Mike Rapoli uh, who, who uh, bought him before for the Kentucky Derby. And last but not least, British Grand Prix. Carlos Sainz wins after huge Zhu Guanyai crash. This is Andrew Benson, Chief F1 writer. I don't know if any of you guys saw this, but there was a major crash in F1. And I have to say that uh, this particular individual, this Ganyu, he easily could have lost his life if it wasn't for that halo that they installed uh, back in 2018 for F1 drivers. He got wedged between the guardrail and the fence. And the way the car hit, 
he most likely would have gotten decapitated if he if he wasn't uh, wasn't protected by that halo. So it was a good good race. And um, anyway, that was for all Carlos Sainz took his first Formula One victory at that at the end of that extraordinary British Grand Prix, packed with full of incident and drama. And uh, anyway, big day. That's a wrap in sports. Give you some time. Back to you. All right, Slick Rick. Thanks. Um, Brittany Griner is still in Russia. She trial. She's been begging Biden to get back here. And George Martin sent me an email saying, why does Griner want to get back to the USA? She's been telling us how racist it is. Yep. That's yeah. a good question. And, of course, uh, Jesse Kelly said that Griner in her press conference says she feels, um, she feels scared and alone. And Jesse Kelly pointed out playing in the WNBA got her used to uh, – <laughs> Getting used to that. But earlier tonight, they did say Joe Biden has read the letter that she sent to the White House about being patriotic and how important 4th of July was to her. Well, it goes on and on, the story. Sure, it was when she was was taking a knee before a game. I'm sure it was very important. (laughs) Very Um, patriotic. All right, let's do some more news. Then we'll do the LOL of the day. Paul Nolan, what else is going on? Obviously, saw this Chinese city of 13 million people locks down due to 18 COVID cases. Yeah, well, they have zero COVID policy. It's just incredible. Gotta be zero. Yeah. It's uh so uh this is the same city, uh the same area that they locked down um well on the surrounding is fifty one million people before. So I just wanted to hit that real quick. Um only because we don't know we don't have a ton of time. Um uh, manufacturing plants aren't just mysteriously getting burned down in the United States. It's happening around the world. I'll keep this quick as well. As Americans uh tackle uh, accelerating inflation, skyrocketing gas prices and food and baby formula shortages following the manufactured COVID pan, uh, pandemic, manufacturing plants are mysteriously being burned down on a regular basis. In 2021, uh, Resel uh, a leading global supply chain monitor and risk management firm that has been tackling disruptions at manufacturing plants for over a decade, was prompted to create a war room to track the sudden uptick of supply chain disruptions. The company issued 11,642 alerts notifying it, which today includes multinational organizations, about supply chain disruptions, an 88% increase in uh, disruptions in uh, in a single year. This is from uh, Gateway Pundit. So I just want to make sure I, I hit that real quick as well. And uh, you wanted to get to your thing? Uh, LOL of the day, big uh, July 4th celebration. Uh, unfortunately for the president, his wife, the first lady, had to somewhat keep him on track on some of the most important lines if you're the president and it's July 4th. Take a look at this. Happy 4th of July, and here's our president. God, what a land of misfit toys. And she still hangs out with me. <laughs> Look, uh, we, uh, it's been a great day, <laughs> and the fireworks haven't even started yet. And uh, so we're looking forward to having you all enjoy the rest of the evening. And uh, when you head home, head home safely. Head home safely. And as a, uh, I used to have a grandpa, every time I walk out of his house in Scranton, he'd say, Joey, keep the faith. And my grandmother would yell, no, Joey, spread it. Let's spread the faith, folks. Thank you all so very, very much. Thanks. God bless America. Okay, and... God bless America. Thank you. You don't want to say it. And God protect our troops. There you go. If you could just cut back to the audience. So Joey couldn't even say it, even after the wife tried to prod him to say it. He still couldn't say it. (laughs) 
Was that was that something you inserted, Geo? The audience there? They were having a moment of silence for the shooting before that moment happened. Okay. Oh. No. Um. I just I do find it interesting. Maybe I'm looking too hard into it. Did even after she says to him, he he won't do it. He clearly could not hear her at all. Oh, you think that's what it was? I think he couldn't hear. I think they were they, they were listening to the band on stage for like an hour. And Pop Pop's ears probably blown out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. His hearing aid was uh, out of battery. Okay. I mean, it looks to me like she says it to him. Where it just doesn't look like he has any. Int- Can we just see the end of it where she says it? It just looks to me like he just doesn't want to say it. I mean, come on. He, he clearly. God bless her. America. Thank you. He looked right at her. And yeah, God protect our mic. troops. Oh, he's, he got that. He could say that, which I still don't understand. I mean, of course, we agree. God protect our troops, but. What an inspiring speaker. Yeah. Oof. So exciting. I mean, that's just, it's unbelievable. What a time to be alive, right? I, was, I mean, between her voice, Kamala's voice, <laughs> his enunciation. He could have the... easily said it if he wanted to. He just didn't want to. <laughs> that's my take. As always, we salute our military active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines protecting us. Thanks, everybody on the show. Thanks, G. Thanks, Fran. Most of all, thank you to Live from Studio 6B audience. We will see you tomorrow night, 8 p.m., right here. Real America's Voice, live from Studio 6B.